God's good, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to let you guys know, Pastor Jeremy is out this week, but we have an amazing speaker in the house this morning. Dr. Johnson is here to share the word. He had an amazing word for first service, yeah. He had an amazing word um, that we all need to, by the end, put into effect in our life because he's, he's going to call us call me out on that. Um, but if you could just welcome Dr. Johnson up. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you. Um, my wife is with me this morning in the second service. Uh, Martha, why don't you stand and just greet everyone? Yeah. We celebrate 50 years of marriage this month. Uh, I know we look way too young for that. Uh, but uh, we've decided to keep each other after 50 years. It's been too hard training somebody else. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> Um, it's great to be back with you all. I think uh, I was talking with some of the people in the first service, and um, I think it's been since uh, the end of January that I was here last. And so it's good to be back uh, with, uh, with you all here. And uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy is away um, speaking at another church. Uh, on his month that he's to be off. Um, gonna talk to him about that. And uh, before we get into this morning's message, um, if you could stand with me and let's just open our time with prayer and uh, we'll get straight into the word. What time do you all normally get out of the second service? Whenever you get out? <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I'll be, uh, we'll get you out by 1230. Bar the doors. <laughs> Father, thanks. We're so grateful for who you are, for what you have done, and that you continue to do for us. Lord, we, we want to just say thanks that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And um, you can't love us any more than you already do. It's just that we keep removing things that would seek to hinder us sensing the full impact of that love. We want to just say thanks for who you are. Thank you that you're with us already this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will illumine our eyes and our ears as we open up our hearts to you that you will reveal things to us this morning that will be helpful for us, that you might use us while we're here on earth. We want to be used by you. We don't want to just be here. We want to be used by you while we're here and have an impact in whatever the sphere that you have given us. We want to have an impact. So we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing already. We thank you for what you will continue to do in our lives. You who have begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of your coming. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The topic that I'm going to be speaking on this morning is worship and perception. Worship and perception. And the reason that I, I believe that the Lord has given me to come to pioneer and to teach this message is for purpose. And that is for whatever the sphere of influence that he has given to each one of us, he wants us to be equipped. He wants us to be ready to be able to give an answer to all those that we meet of the hope that is found in us. Um, we could say the world is getting darker and darker, but I like to look at it this way. 
as it's getting darker and darker, the light of Jesus is shining brighter and brighter. In fact, it says of the righteous that the righteous, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the shining of the new day. It's getting brighter and brighter for us. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that and see if a smile can come up on some of our faces. Some of you actually cracked a smile on that one. It was, um, I didn't know whether I was in the right house today or not. Um, and, and, and one of the things that I believe that God wants to do is to help us in the way that we see things. The way that we perceive things is very, very important. Um, and I'm going to be giving you some examples of that as we go through our teaching this morning. Perception. The way that things look or appear to us is not always the way that it actually is. And the way that we perceive something or someone does not mean that is, in fact, that way. For instance, let me give you a scenario. A man who happens to be a deacon in the local church comes out of a downtown building and there is one of the other members of the same church that sees him He's a little dazed and seemingly unstable on his feet. The closer that you look at him, he's got drool coming down one side of his face and his speech is slurred. Think about that for a moment and just think, what do you think might be going on with this deacon? We could give him a name, Deacon J.J. What might be happening? Might, what might be going on? What might immediately come to our minds? And as we think about it, you need to just put a little bit of salt on that and think, mm, it may not be the way that I'm thinking. It may not be the way that I'm seeing it. Let me tell you what really is happening with Deacon J.J. Deacon went up to the seventh floor and he had an appointment with the dentist and things didn't go as planned and so the dentist had to give him an extra dose of Novocaine which caused his lips to be numb. Anybody recognizing what's going on? And so he did not even feel the drool that was coming out of the side of his mouth nor did he notice the daze that was in his eyes or that the slurred speech and his walk was tipsy. What should this teach us? It should teach us not to be so quick to judge and especially not to take a picture of Deacon JJ and send it to other members of the same church. <laughs> and say, look at who I saw today. We shouldn't be quick to speak or spread something that could be totally unfounded. And we should be quick to ask questions and to inquire. And it also should teach us how limited we are in our assessments and judgments. We certainly wouldn't want someone spreading something about us, would we? Perception means a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something or some incident. Perception is a mental impression. It's also the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. There's these are some of the things that you will discover as we go through this teaching this morning. That the way we see or perceive things and the way that we see and perceive people is quite different from the way that the Lord sees them. In Isaiah, if you can turn in your devices to Isaiah chapter 55 or if you have a physical Bible. Isaiah 55, and let's take a look at verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 
verse 8 and 9. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Aren't you glad that uh, his thoughts are not the same as ours? How many of you have ever given up on yourself and God says, I'm not going to ever give up on you? How many of you have given up on other people and God says, that's not the way that my, my way is not to give up? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them this? We'll get another smile. God is God. And you are not. <laughs> now, just for yourself, say this. God is God. And I am not. Boy, that's a big praise, isn't it? Sometimes I look myself in the mirror in the morning and I go, God is God and you are not. The last word does not come from you. It comes from him. And if many of us were God, some of us might even, we might not even be in this room. We would have been deleted. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be two surprises. One, that we made it. The other, whoa, you made it? <laughs> I do, I do. I think it's going to be a big surprise. Oh, for his mercy that is so great, so deep, so wide, that it covers us where we have given up on ourselves or we have given up on others and God lets us know his love will never fail us nor will he ever leave us nor will he ever forsake us nor will he ever send us away. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than ours. And his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. Here is why. Turn in your devices again to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we'll take a look at verse 7. The, the story that surrounds this is that Samuel now has been sent to the house of Jesse, and he is there to anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel is looking at Jesse's sons who are being brought before him one by one. And each one of them, God is saying, mm -mm, that's not the one. That's not the one. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature for I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What this reveals to us is a pattern that I would like to share with you, and I believe that we will find the consistency throughout the scriptures, and that is it will help us as we are seeking to co-labor with God and it will also help us to remove hindrances that may be in our lives, in our, in our brains, in our minds, that would render us ineffective. I don't know about you, I play racquetball, I played yesterday morning, and the rule is with three courts, we usually will have from 12 to 15 players who will show up on a Saturday morning. And if you lose, that means you have to go out and sit and you watch the game that others are playing. That is nearly not as enough. That's not a fun, that's no fun for me. I want to stay in the court and be on the court playing. And 
you get a lot more exercise if you're in the court playing rather than on the outside just looking in. And so for us in the realm of Christians and what God has in store for each one of us, we don't want to be on the sidelines looking in. We want to be on the field co-laboring with God. But that means that sometimes we're going to have to get rid of attitudes and ways of seeing and hearing and perceiving things that can render us ineffective. Here, here's the pattern. How we see affects how we think, which influences how we speak. And then that will influence how we act or behave, and it governs the attitude that we will have. Another way of saying this is how we see people will affect how we think about them and it will govern how we speak to them and how we will act towards them and the attitude that we will have about them. Let me go it again. Another way of saying this is that how we see people will affect how we think about them and it will govern how we will speak to them and how we will act towards them and the attitude that we will have about them. I was in St. Louis, Missouri. I was one of four pastors at a mega church there. I was working on a Saturday. I had my sneakers on and I had some workout pants on and I had um, just a regular old sweatshirt. During the staff meeting, I said, I will be there, I'll open up the doors for the funeral directors because they're gonna use the chapel for a memorial service. So I'll do it. I'm, I'm gonna be there preparing for the sermon that I'm gonna preach that Sunday. So I'm in my office, I'm keeping an eye out. I hear them knocking on the windows and so I go into the foyer, I open up the doors and as I open up the doors, these two white gentlemen walk in and I'm going to show them the chapel. But meanwhile, they become interested in the building. It had just been extended. We had just put in children's uh, ministry side and we had done a lot of work on the building. And so they began to talk to me and they said, um, how long does it take for you to clean the building? And I said, well, it depends uh, on what is going on in the building, um, activities and other things that might be happening. Um, and um, they said, can we take a look? And I showed them some of the new um, parts of the facility that had just been put in. And they began to ask me more and more questions about the crew and who do I have working with me to assist me in the cleaning of the building. Anyone who knows me, I have sort of a sick sense of humor. And so I went right along with them because what they didn't know was that as a pastor, as one of the four pastors, I was also assigned over the maintenance crew and they reported to me. I hired them and I fired them. And so uh, I answered all of their questions and then I took them back to where the chapel was and then we came back to the foyer and I said to them, I said, gentlemen, I said, my name is John Johnson. I'm one of the four pastors here at this church and I am over the crew that cleans the building. It would be wise for you to inquire and not assume that I am the janitor. And their faces turned a beet red. Perceptions could be wrong, could be off, could, could not be as we think it is. I had a little bit of fun with them. I didn't, I'm not going to tell you everything. <laughs> but I did. 
I had a little fun with him that day because I thought, I'm going to go with you on this. But also, there's going to be a lesson that will be taught on this. And I was nice, sort of. <laughs> if you can turn in the scriptures to Psalm 73. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and so just stay with me. I'm going to move pretty quickly. And, he, and the reason that I'm reading Psalm 73 is that the psalmist, to begin with, is going to see things one way, but then we're going to get to verse 17, and in verse 17, there's going to be a shift. A shift will happen in verse 17, and it's because of our worship. Worship is very, very important for the believer. Um, I talked a little bit about this in the first service, but I'm going to say it again. When it comes to worship, I believe that we should do it with everything in us. I believe that we should not be concerned about who is beside us and what they may think about us because their opinion in the long run will mean nothing absolutely nothing and it's not them that we're worshiping anyway hello anybody in the house how many times we as believers can get stuck and stopped by what we think people are thinking and sometimes they're not even thinking what we think they're thinking and then we still have to deal with what they we thought they were thinking and they didn't even think about us they were not even thinking about us at all but we have to deal with the fact that we thought that they were thinking it and then we had to deal with nothing that they were actually thinking about us because they were thinking about something else they were thinking about the roast that they left in the oven fear of man is an awful thing it's an awful thing because it keeps us, it keeps us encaged, it keeps us restricted into things that God is saying, I want to break you free and I want to break you loose into who I've made you to be. Not who you think that somebody else wants you to be, but who I've made you to be. That you might be effective in the world of which I've left you in. Glory to God. I sense his presence. I don't know about you all. Worship. Worship changes things. I'm not talking about where you're in a place where some people consider that when you worship it's just. That's a part. There is a part for that. There is. There's a part for silence. There's a part for stillness. There is. That is legitimate. But there in the corporate gathering when we come to celebrate what God is doing and what God has done, there is a time that we can be loose and we can be free and we can, we can express our love and we can express our adoration to the Lord. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. How many of you have seen those, those pictures on television where it's in, I mean, I'm talking about cold, cold weather. I'm not talking about, you know, like, like here in Tennessee. Well, okay, this past this past winter was a little bit colder than normal, but I'm talking about up in Michigan and, and, and in, in Detroit and, and places where people take their shirts off and they paint letters on their chest and stomach and they're out cheering their team on. Really? I mean, really? You, you're a diehard. Um, you're really, you're a maverick. I mean, I mean really? You, 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 you're going to put this? Yes. And they cheer. And they are fanatics for their team. And no football ever saved them. No basketball ever shed blood. Didn't do anything for their salvation. And these people are free. They are free, man. Wow. And then they'll do the wave. We're having fun, aren't we? I don't know. It's so cold out here, I'm not sure when I'm having fun. 
and, and, and they're free. But then we come to the, this is, this is the building. This is not the church. You are the church. You are the ones that the spirit of God indwells. And we are to release ourselves in glorious praise and worship to the king of kings for what he has done for us that no one else could do. We're not going to wait until we get to heaven to do it. Then no faith is required. No faith is required. The song says, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we're going to sing and shout the victory. Okay. All right. Some of you are going, oh, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> I don't know about you either. Oh! Why are you waiting, though? If we're going to do that when we see him, why aren't we doing it now? See, it's pathetic if we say we're going to do that when we see him, but we're not putting it into practice now. That's pathetic. Prophetic is... If I know that I'm going to do that when I see him, I'm going to do that right now. That's prophetic. I'm going to bring my tomorrow's world into my today. And I'm going to do what I say that I'm going to do. I'm going to do it now. Not for the people who are in the room. It's for the one who saved me, delivered me, set me free, shed his blood for me. The one who calls me by my name. The one who has showed such love for me that no one else has ever shown. I knew what lust was, but I didn't know what love was until I met Jesus. Jesus showed me what true love was all about. And that worship is the worship that will change things. Verse 1, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their mind know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possessions of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. I had said I would speak thus. I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. Till... I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Glory to God. It's when in worship that we ascend. I didn't know, I didn't know whether Brittany was going to preach my sermon again, but I thought maybe we need to hear it twice. And that is when we are here at 200 Madison and we are worshiping in spirit and in truth, we transcend the space of which we're in and we find ourselves before the very throne of God. That's not something that I'm just telling you to make you feel good. That's the way it is. We transcend here and we are before the very throne of God where the angels and the seraphs and all of those are saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Do you know that saints of God, we do not begin worship here. We enter into worship that is on, ongoing. It never stops. It never ceases. 
It says day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. They never stop. They never stop. They never stop saying. And they never get tired of saying the same thing over and over again because every time they say it, there's a new and a fresh revelation of his holiness and of his person that he gives to them. Someone said, well, you know, when I get to heaven, it's going to be pretty boring. You don't know your God. You don't know God. What you don't know is that he's going to give fresh revelation every time you look at him. You're going to see a new aspect of his holiness, of his being, of who he is. Wow. Verse 17, he said, Till, till I enter the sanctuary of God. It's there that we get a perspective. It's there that we find out how God views things. It's there that we see his thoughts are indeed higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. He sees things from a totally different perspective. Look at what the psalmist said. When he entered the sanctuary of God, he said, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakes. So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. Isn't that a different picture than what he had before? What a contrast. And it's because his eyes have now begun to see as God sees. As he sees as God sees, then he can begin to speak as God speaks and act as God acts and have the attitude of which God has for it. If you could turn now, if you could turn to Luke chapter 7, or in your devices, go to it. And we're going to start at verse 36, and this is where we will try to end. Luke chapter 7, we'll start at verse 36. And it says this. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Let me just stop there for a moment. What a scene. She's crashed this dinner. She didn't ask. She didn't have an invitation. One wasn't sent to her house. She just learned Jesus is at this house. And when she learned that he was there, she came running. I don't know if they had an attendant at the door or not, but whether they did or not, she went past them. She had already made preparations by bringing a jar of perfume and she knew, I want to get to Jesus. 
When she got there, she didn't see all of the other people in the room. She was just looking for him. Her eyes fastened upon him. And then she stood at his feet and she began to weep. Do you remember when you first encountered Jesus? I remember when I first encountered him in the fall of 1974. And he began to give me revelation of who he was. And as he revealed himself to me, I was revealed to myself. And I saw the pitiful state of which sin had brought me to. And I wept for days. I wept. He would bring a thought to me of things that I had done. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I felt guilty. It was a conviction. It was such a deep thing. And then the Spirit of the Lord didn't speak to me audibly. He knows that that would scare the bejeebers out of me. He spoke in my thoughts. And he was saying, I'm cleansing you on the inside. But it was as a result of gazing and looking upon him that I saw me and my pitiful state. Like Isaiah, in chapter 6 of Isaiah, he says, woe is me. I am undone. Why? Because my eyes have seen the king. And I'm seeing just how pitiful I am and my lips are unclean and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips and when I see me in comparison to him I'm ruined that's true repentance you can tell when true repentance has happened because we're not blaming somebody else mama made me do it it was my daddy's fault if I didn't have such sisters I would have been okay it was, it was my Uncle Louie. No, true re repentance brings me to me and says, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for where I'm at. It's my choices that have done this. And I come to you, God, and I ask for your forgiveness. True repentance doesn't blame other people. True repentance comes and says, God, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We live in a society now that it's your truth and my truth. No! For us believers, we know our truth is not a concept or a philosophy. Our truth is Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth and the life. It's not something that we can dilly-dally over. When we see him, this woman stood at his feet and all she could do was cry. Then she knelt and with her glory, which is her hair, she began to wipe his feet and then she poured perfume upon him. Simon the Pharisee saw what was going on, and this is what he said. Simon said, hmm, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Simon didn't say this out loud. He thought this, said. Let's see if Jesus is a prophet. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, 
has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil in my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Listen, if somebody is going to answer my thoughts, I would say that's pretty prophetic. I wouldn't be scared, I'd be scared. what Jesus did. He answered the man's thoughts. You'll find this in the scriptures oftentimes with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law, and it's because they've been sent by the Sanhedrin to observe Jesus, and so they're not speaking, they are thinking, and Jesus will answer their thoughts. Throughout the, the Gospels, you'll see Jesus answering their thoughts. I would say if that doesn't cause you to believe, maybe you need a spiritual defibrillator and tell somebody, turn it up to 200, stand back. To wake you up. He is who he says he is. This woman is loving him much because she recognizes I have been forgiven much. But the perception between Simon and Jesus, look, at how different they are. If you can just put down in your notes, I'm going to close here in Acts chapter 10, verse nine through 16. We're not gonna to turn to it, I'm just gonna tell you what happened and then we're gonna close out. Here, Peter is finding himself, well, actually he doesn't know yet, because prior to in chapter 9, Cornelius, who is a centurion, and uh, he's a Gentile. And Cornelius has been helping with the poor, giving alms, doing things to help. And the scripture says that uh, all that he has done comes as an incense, as an offering before the Lord. And God recognizes it. And an angel comes from God's presence and tells Cornelius to send two men from his household to Simon Peter, who is staying at Simon the Tanner's house, and that house is by the sea. <laughs> God speaks clearly today as he did then. He will give us directions, clear directions, when we're on a mission for him. Sometimes he may not, may not give complete, just enough to get us going, but then he will give us more directions as we move in obedience. These two men are on their way to Simon the Tanner's house, whose house is by the sea. Peter, in the meanwhile, is up on the roof and he's waiting for the food to be prepared because he's hungry. Maybe he's hangry. Anyway, as he's there, God knows that there is a delegation coming for him, but in the present state that Peter is in, he's gonna be unuseful for, to God because he has these prejudices and he has these preconceived ideas as a Gentile and Jews do not interact. And certainly, Gentiles will never see a Jew come into their home that was forbidden. And so God is dealing with Simon Peter, and he allows a sheet to come down. And up on the sheet are animals that you look in the book of Leviticus, and these were forbidden by Jews to eat. But it's now in the new covenant, no longer the old covenant. A new covenant has now come. There is neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile. Now, 
We're on a whole even basis. Peter is having to be educated by God as far as what's going on. And so Peter hears Jesus say, slay and eat. And Peter says, oh no, none of this has ever touched my lips. I won't. And so again, the sheet comes down. Slay and eat, Peter. Oh no, no, that this would break all of the, of the rules and the regulations for what is clean and for what is unclean. And Jesus says to him, don't you call what I have cleansed unclean. And Peter is being prepared. There's a knock at the door. Simon Peter, we got two men who are waiting for you. They come in and they tell them. They tell Peter what's going on. Peter accompanies them to Cornelius' house. And when he gets to Cornelius' house, Peter says, it's unusual for a Jew to first of all be in the house of a Gentile. But while I was waiting for food, and he tells them the story, and he says, can you tell me why I am here? The point of the story for our message this morning is, Peter would have perceived them wrongly, but Jesus worked with Peter to make Peter one who would be on the field rather than one who is a spectator, one who is a co-laborer with him rather than one who God would say, because of your, pre, your perceptions, I can't use you here. I need someone else that their mind and their hearts are big enough and filled with love, filled with compassion, that I can use them here. Beloved, if you take this message, if you use it, if you seek to apply it, God's going to bring in your sphere of influence people that may have already been there and, and actually moving and migrating in your field of influence, however, you didn't see them. But why don't you allow, as I will, allow your perceptions to be changed by the one who can change our minds, change our hearts, so that we can see as he sees, we can speak as he speaks, we can love as he loves, and we can be useful to him in a world that is desperate now. Somebody will say, well, the world's getting darker and darker. That's true. But the light of the gospel is shining brighter and brighter. We can look at it from the standpoint of the king who has conquered everything. And he wants and leaves us here that we might be used by him. Could you stand? Could you do with me and just put your hand over your heart and I'm going to ask God to do something inside of us that our preconceptions and how we think will be governed by the word of God. And that whatever needs to be changed and transformed will be changed and transformed. So that we may see as he sees, think as he thinks, that we might speak as he speaks, and act as he acts. And that we may have attitudes towards those that he will send to us, or that we may encounter, that we will find we are useful to the Lord in the mission that he has. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life God 
I ask that you, as we stand in your very presence, cleanse us. Take out old thoughts and old patterns, things that go way back, things that we may have been taught by others, but they was not you. They didn't have your perspective. God, I ask that we might be changed in our thinking. Lord, as we read the word this week, that it's not out of duty, but it's so that your words might become our words, your thoughts might become our thoughts, that we may begin to think as you think. We may come out of smallness of thinking. We may come out of restrictiveness into a wider field, that we may see people as you see them, we may not judge quickly, but we may ask and inquire. Baptize us again in your love. We want to be baptized again. We want to know the freshness of when you encountered us, that freshness of forgiving, forgiveness that washed us. We felt so pure and clean. Revisit us, Lord, as we Recount and we recall the things of which you have done, the things that you have in store for us. We want to be used by you in the lives of so many that they are hopeless. They are looking at a world and they are, they have no hope for tomorrow. Use us. We ask you, do something radical within us that we may commit to you as you have committed to us and we may not waver in it. Father, I bless your people here and I thank you for the opportunity to be with them this morning and that you are with us so that you will bring people to us and we will allow you to speak through us, love through us, embrace through us that they might be one to you. We want to be a people not known as haters, but lovers of God and lovers of people. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.